but I came to prophesy. There's a big difference, huge difference. Come on, I came to, literally, you go, what do you came to do? I came, see, to prophesy, let me break it down, not just means to foretell, but it means to tell forth. It means to shift. So I came, what, what will happen by the end of this? I came to prophesy you into position, into position. So you're shifting. Somebody look at your neighbor, say, get ready for your shift. Get ready. Now what's about to shift is your body's going to shift. You say, what do you mean, Paula? If there's even a cell of sickness in your body, it's leaving today. It's going to shift because you need a temple that can carry the energy. Come on, the power of the spirit. If you think that you can just have any kind of body to carry this, Look, when I was, I haven't had a, a soda or something since I think 39 years ago. Haven't had one, Jaina. Because I recognized at 18 years old, I had a responsibility for the kingdom. I had a certain amount of calories every day, a certain amount of nutrition. I work out, I go at least two and a half miles. You go, oh man, you're just so disciplined. No, I'm not. I have a responsibility in the kingdom to make sure that this temple can carry the energy that created this whole world. Talk to me, I just lost half of you. Your mind, every thought that doesn't align with the thoughts of God, come on, there's a alignment that's gonna help. I came to prophesy, I didn't come to preach which means if I'm prophesying into position, you will be in place, you're Esther. I promise you, you're Esther. Do I have any Esthers in here? Yeah. We're just, I thought so. You paid all that money for that plane, come on, that train, drove in with your girlfriend, got your hotel. You didn't come to look cute and get a t-shirt. You came for business. Look at somebody say, you don't have a clue who you're sitting next to came to prophesy you in a position, which means your mind is lining up. Every thought that doesn't line up with the will of God, every thought that has been driving your life in the wrong direction is falling off you right now. Every thought that skews the Lord's voice, every thought that has tormented you, every critical inner man, everything that has been that nagging voice that is not of God, it's going, it's leaving right now in the name of Jesus. Thoughts are strongholds, every stronghold, come on, every vain imagination, it's going, your mind's gonna align with the will of God. And your spirit, your spirit, if you're born again, your spirit's good. If you're not born again, your spirit's going to come in alignment today. You're going to get saved. Come on, amen? Somebody say, I receive it. Just a few things. Go with me to Esther chapter 4. Real quick, I think they have some product they can put up. Um, we do it by QR code because I just stole this from Jensen Franklin. If you come up with a good idea, you just take it. So you guys can go to paulawhite.org or we have effective prayer and prayer. Now, prayer glory. This is actually one of my favorite. So my husband, Jonathan Kane, iconic rock star, rock and roll hall of fame, library congress for the most influential song. It's only 5 billion downloads. Don't stop believing. Why are y'all acting like you only listen to Amazing Grace and getting up out of the grave? Come on, that was a prophetic song. If I told you the story, his father was a man of prayer and prophecy. And John was in the most tragic school fire. In fact, he went back to school yesterday with his brother. They got inducted or to be here. 93 children died and three nuns. And had he been born two weeks later, he would have died. And his father said, God saved you for a purpose. You're going to bring music to this world. 
and started prophesying. And he's, seven, he's eight, nine years old. And he said, my son will stand on a stage every single night and play before 10,000 people. His dad was a hardworking printer, went and put a accordion on layaway. So John starts playing an accordion. And one thing leads to another. Read his book sometime on all that. He's one of the most iconic musicians in the earth today. He's written, I don't know, thousands of songs, about three, 400 hits, Faithfully, Open Arms, Separate Ways, Who's Crying Now? I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And Don't Stop Believing is in the Library of Congress for the most influential song in all of culture in the last hundred years. That's accomplishment. Y'all like that. Don't hate. Don't hate. He cooks me dinner. He loves me. Come on, I've been married before, but I never had a husband. I got a husband. He loves God. He prays in the Spirit over me. He buys me shoes and clothes and jackets. Come on. God's good. Look at somebody say, I'm next. Just start. So the reason I say that, and I usually don't take time, because John and I did something called prayer glory. I'm going to get you this. So what, what we did is I would pray, and he's like, man, I love your prayer. So I put all my prayers in this book, and I, you know, my spiritual father's Archbishop Duncan Williams. Well, John took six hours and scored all the prayers. So it's like 70-something different topics that we hit fear, barrenness, I mean, fruitfulness, family, you name it. And so, you know, I'm an aggressive prayer. I'm like, I go after it. Like, I, I should have been Nigerian. I mean, I'm just, I'm cut from Ghana. And so uh, I don't pray too much American style. Anyway, so we, we score that. It's really absolutely cool. Anyway, what else do they have? They have, I think, the, you know, in front of his pathway to his presence, which is powerful tonight. Rosh Hashanah, we go into God's divine holy. I'll talk about it a little bit today. Favor of God, which is all about Esther. Then they have one. So just get the QR code if you guys. I did Money Matters. I've written, I think, about 15 or 20 books, mostly on the spiritual side of money. I've been a Christian as a business person, and I take you through the practical ways. I just released this one. It's really a pretty powerful book, and I think they've got one more. What do they have up there? Something greater. I finally told the story. I told the story about all the brokenness, everything else. After 2007, people wanted to know what happened. It took me about 10 years to write it all. Just 10 years, because it was hard to land it. It's just hard to say, look, here's all this stuff. My life is just a trail of brokenness and amazing blessing. That God takes all the broken pieces. Like, it's all part of your story. It's all part of your story. I went through 19 life crises. In 2003, the IRS came in to do a criminal investigation because we'd come against pornography in Tampa. It was a three-year investigation. We were cleared in six months. Randy had a complete breakdown. I mean, doors of sin begin to fly open. Uh, my daughter dies of cancer. Those are tough things to go through. I find out my son's a crack addict. I mean, I, I see black on his hands. I don't know what it, it is. I mean, Randy's sleeping with everything that has two legs just about it. Well, that's an exaggeration. Only about 50 things. <laughs> it was tough. I didn't, I didn't know what to do, who to turn to. You know, you recognize you're a commodity. And all of a sudden, you, your whole life changes and all you want is just, God, help me. Y'all getting real quiet in a minute. 
read the book because God had something greater. God always has something greater. I laid on the floor in that depression. I'd never experienced depression. I had to go on Prozac. I, it was horrible. I didn't have to, I chose to because I couldn't get out of it. I'd never not been able to get out of anything by being in God's presence. It felt like the first time I didn't hear from God's voice, but I found out the teacher doesn't talk when the student's taking the test. All to say, look, it is an ability to endure. You have choices in life. The only thing that can disqualify your destiny is you. The devil can't do it. Every hater can't do it. Situations can't do it. Loss can't do it. It hurts. It hurt bad. And there are parts, you know, some things you get right, some things you don't. You're living your whole life out in front of the world. It's not easy. Amen? But it's okay, God's got you. And it's a disservice not to share with people, how'd you get through these seasons? What'd you go through? So I finally wrote the book, Something Greater, enjoy it, be blessed. Y'all ready for the word? Amen. Amen. And by the way, if you're up to it, how many of you live in cold states? Cold states. Y'all definitely need to come down, all right? October the 12th through the 15th, we do our Unleashed Conference in Orlando, Florida. Might wanna write that date down. It's gonna be myself, Prophet Gideon from, from uh, Ghana, powerful man of God. It's gonna be Apostle Maldonado, Kim Walker-Smith. You guys act like you don't, y'all with me? We're gonna have some worship time. It's gonna be Jonathan Shuttlesworth, true revivalist. So join us there for three days. It's, it's this atmosphere. It's the prophetic. It's the apostolic. Come just get extra charged. Amen. Come, come be a part. Register. It's free. But um, if you want a t-shirt and a guaranteed seat, it's $25. I'm a pretty simple person, hon. Just tell it like it is. You ready? Look at somebody. Say, come on, Esther. Let's go. Just say, come on, Esther. Stand up for a moment. Grab the person's hand next to you. That's a world changer. I told you yesterday, that's a miracle. Had the enemy had his way, he would have wiped that person out a long time ago. But the devil is a liar. You have no idea how much of an overcomer's hand you're holding. From the very beginning, there were assignments sent against them because they've been a sent person to this earth. Squeeze that hand. It's a living, breathing, bona fide miracle. I was born breech and almost killed my mother and myself. And he was after me from day one. If you only knew, hold that hand. The reason that's such a miracle is because by all prognosis, they should have lost their mind, been buried six feet under, bitter, broken, offended, wounded, angry, mad, jealous, envious, hateful, whoremonger, but God. Squeeze that hand. Say, this miracle feels pretty good right now. Come on. I want you to do something. When God lets you see a miracle, you give praise, amen? You're holding a miracle. 
I want you to give God praise and I want you to pray over that person right now. I want you to pray that they would be fully open because I'm getting ready to prophesy. We're getting ready to be positioned in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, do what only you can do, not by might and not by power, but invade this place with an eternal invasion that changes and aligns everything. Whatever is in our life that does not belong, let it fall off right now. Give us the strength, give us the stamina, give us the endurance, give us the power right now to move into position, to move into place. For you've raised up a company of Esther's God. We are in a season that it's not just the son, but it's sons, it's daughters. We're in the plural of the kingdom, God. So we thank you that, that whatever is trying to hold my sister back, whatever bondage, whatever thing of their past, whatever generational curse, it is broken right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever is stopping them from full liberation, whatever fear, come on, whatever torment, whatever doubt, whatever devil, let it be broken off right now. Whatever shame, whatever guilt, whatever condemnation they've been carrying around, whatever lie that they believed and bought into, by the blood of Jesus Christ, I declare your freedom right now. I declare that you have the mind of Christ. I declare that your mind aligns, that your body aligns. Let all sickness, let all cancer, let arthritis, let endometriosis, let lupus, let, let, let scoliosis, let migraines, let them come, come in alignment right now with the healing power of Jesus Christ according to Isaiah chapter 53, that he was wounded for your transgression, bruised for your iniquity, the chastisement of our peace is upon him, and right now with his stripes you are healed. I declare your healing. I declare divine alignment in your body right now. Every cell, every fiber, every muscle, every organ right now, let it shift. Jeremiah Jeremiah 33, he's the God that healeth thee. 1 Peter 1, 24, he bore and became a curse that whose stripes you were healed. Come on, I thank you that even now, he's the God of healing. He's the God of power. He's the God of provision. In Jesus' mighty name, there'll be no lack in your life. I'm not just talking finances, but I'm talking no lack, no lack of joy, no lack of abundance. You'll operate from a place, not of scarcity, but of abundance, of wisdom, Come on, of overflow. In Jesus' name, you're coming up to a higher place. I speak it over you. I prophesy. I command it in the atmosphere, in your body, in your mind, in your spirit, in your life, in your family, in your finances. In Jesus' name, let us shift now. I call you up, Esther. I call you into place. You will not miss this moment. You will not lag behind. You will not fall behind. But you are positioned. You will run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. You'll mount up with wings on eagles in the name of Jesus the name which is above every name the name that is above cancer the name that is above death the name that is above hell the name that is above the grave the name that is above destruction the name of life Zoe the name of Jesus he's given us his word he's given us his name that he honors above all things I speak the name of Jesus over you and I seal this by the blood of Jesus I thank you for divine alignment that, that by the end of this service, God, every piece will be in place. The puzzle will be put together. And what you have sent to accomplish in this service will be done. I give you an advance praise. Now praise him. Come on. I give you an advance praise. A praise that says, I thank you. A praise that says it's done. A praise that thanks you. Come on. A praise that, that, that already knows it's been accomplished. Come on. You, everything is turned around. Everything's coming in divine alignment. In Jesus' name. Now give him a shout of praise. Come on, give him a shout of praise.
Remain standing just for me to be old-fashioned for a minute. Go with me to Esther chapter 4. We're going to read four scriptures. Just old-fashioned me. It's my custom for the reading of the word to stand. It's just an honor thing. It's kind of a religious thing, but we'll get over it. Verse 13 through 17, all right? Let me hear you. I'm going to read the King James Version. Now, when we talk about Esther, remember this, that, of course, the Old Testament was very specific to individuals. When we go into the New Testament, as I told you yesterday, for those of you that weren't here, I'll lay a tiny bit of a foundation as we continue on this journey. Remember that, that we will get this mindset. How many of you ever think like Esther is just a special person? Like this happens for Pastor Devin or this happens for Pastor Paul. How many of you ever think that? I thought that. I thought that just happened. Only five of you? Okay, I'm the only one that confesses. We do. How many of you, Satan says, it's, it's for every, you feel like it's for everyone else sometimes. It's a special person. And we even think, man, I'll be glad to serve them. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing, right? But, but we, we don't conceptually really always understand how God's speaking in that way. So like in Isaiah, it really gives a clear picture of the Isaiah Isaiah, the one of the most keen prophets, gives this clear picture of the Messiah. And you read from chapter 46 up to about uh, chapter 53 uh, about him. And it's talking in singular terminology. When it gets to chapter 54, which is you who did not bear any children, who did not produce, you who were barren, you were ineffective to produce. You have more children than the married wife. That turns into a plural, and it's talking to plural people, which means it's talking to a future church. Are y'all with me? It's talking to a future people. It's talking to a kingdom people. So when you get to, to the New Testament, you go from a son to Jesus does what? Reproduces himself in many of us. And this is a mind-blowing thing that separates Christianity from every other religion every religion every single religion to the jew it's crazy of course the jew the muslim the christian all came out of abraham but this is what's so my it's absolutely insane to a natural intellectual academic mind because we go from god being in a temple we go from god being in an ark of the covenant we go from god showing himself which if you, you go to israel and you go to the temple and there's, there's people leading this movement. I mean, the Jewish people just bow and kiss the ground because they want a place. They don't have a place to worship their God. That, 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 that God for the Jewish people will only be in the temple. They're waiting for the return. We're both, we're, we're both waiting for the return of the Messiah. Ours has come back the second time. But understand, are you, so Paul comes and says stuff like this, know you not that you're the temple of God. If any man destroy the temple, and what he's talking about there is really disunity, division. If anyone divide the temple, the body of Christ, him shall God destroy. He says in Romans chapter eight, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells on the inside of you. All of a sudden, God goes from being in a temple in the earth, being in flesh in the earth, to being in you. God and you, 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 God. So are there many gods? No, there's one God, right? 
But now God in you, what he does, he goes from the son to the sons. So where is God? In me. Come on, guys. God's in you. You're carrying him. Do you know how incredibly powerful that is? So that when he's talking about, when we talk about a company of Joseph, a company of Daniels, that's a, it's a metaphor, a company of Esther. We're in a time like Esther, and it's a plural thing. So it means you are, and I believe by you showing up here and discerning who you are in the earth, when I prophesy this message, I'm speaking to you. Corporately, individually, God's speaking to you. Look at somebody say, I'm bad to the bone and you don't even know it. Come on. So here we go. Ready? Say it with me. Then Mordecai, I commanded to answer Esther. Commanded. Mordecai is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit put a command on you right now. Let, let there be a command to answer. A command to answer means you don't get to walk away from this conference and go back to life as usual. A command to answer means you got to either make a decision to sit on the bench and stay out of the game or get in and be the Esther that God's called you. See, we think God just magically like makes these say, there's a command to answer right now. Mordecai represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's putting a command to answer. Are you in? Are you on? Will you do it? They're like, but I, 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 none of your excuses matter. She was an orphan. She wasn't prepared. She was the least of everybody that was in those 137 providences. Mordecai, I commanded to answer Esther. Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Don't think just because you're queen and you're sitting here that you're going to live and everybody else is going to die. For if you all together hold us your peace at this time, time is Kairos. If you think that you're in a time in Christianity that you can sit back and be a spectator, you're sadly mistaken. If you think that, that, that this won't be on our hands if we just allow the government to come in and say that a child can have a chemical castration without parental consent, that they've already built state homes and have tax funding in the state of Washington and the state of California. And it's just, well, that's, that's somebody else. Are you kidding me? That's on our watch. That's on our watch. Your taxpayer money is getting ready to be able to put, it's going to cost you about 100000 300000 They're working on bills right now that a male, a biological male, will be able to have a uterus. But after he brings the baby forth, they're going to take the uterus out. It's only going to cost you about one hundred dollars to 300000 Don't think that you don't have a voice. That's not Biden's money. That's not McCarthy's money. It's not Congress. That's your money that you're paying the taxes. You have a voice. Well, I just lost half of them. Don't think if you hold your peace at this time. Well, I just don't want them to write about me. Are you serious? There's at least five articles a day out on me. That's an exaggeration. Sometimes it's 20, sometimes it's one or two. Day after day, full of lies. 
full of people's perception, full of people's things. You can see I cry over it. It's hilarious to me. If you all together hold your peace at this time, there will enlargement and deliverance arise. God says, I'm gonna be God. But here's the, here's the cost of you not walking in your Esther position. Here's the cost of it for you. And it's not just gonna affect you, but it's gonna affect your family. Because enlargement and deliverance will arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. You see, we're so arrogant in America. We just think we deserve all our rights and everything else. And we, we're full of wickedness. We look at the church underground in China, think it'll never happen to us. You need to know history. We look at the oppression in North Korea. We think this happened thousands of years ago. No, this happened when our grandparents' time. We look at Venezuela and think that would never happen to us. Or keep, should I keep on going? Are you kidding? You're one step away from it unless you decide to take your position. Now you have done more than most people have done. You've shown up at an apostolic, prophetic, anointed and appointed place for God to move in your life. And I'm sorry I'm taking my time, but I didn't come to make you feel good. Thank you, Pastor. I came to get you in position. I believe in you. He said, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade him and returned this answer to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan. So what this tells you that as soon as you say yes, what do you have to do? Go spiritual, go spiritual. Now there's some things you're gonna go natural into, put on the royal apparel and we're gonna, I won't even get into it, but you gotta go spiritual first. So she said yes in position. The next thing she does is call a fast and call prayer. So the first thing you've got to do is guard yourself. The first thing you've got to do when you're in position is go spiritual. You have certain tools, fasting, praying, come on, giving. There are certain tools that you have. It says fast, don't eat or drink for three days. Me and my maids will fast likewise. Then I'll go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Look at somebody, say, get in position. Say, come on, just grab them. Say, get in position. You can be seated. Who knows? I'm going to take a moment for this. Who knows if you have come? Everybody say, have come. Because this is going to be vitally important at the front and vitally important at the end. So who knows if you have come? The, the Hebrew word there is nagal. And it literally means to lay your hand on, to reach, to arrive. It means to strike, which means to punish, to defeat or destroy. So it's saying, who knows if you have arrived, if you've laid your hand on, you better help me right now. Hand is figurative and liber lip literally means power. Who knows if the power of God has not come in you now to reach, come on, to strike and punish and defeat the enemy that is running rampant in this generation. Your hand is for more than just um, getting money or goods or stuff. It's the power of God in you. Who knows if you've not come, come on, you've, you've, thy kingdom come, thy, thank you. The kingdom is at, 
hand within your grasp it's arrived so there's those if get yesterday's message there was those eternal moments that invade the earth so we know what kingdom is kingdom is basileia it means royalty rule realm who knows if you've not reached the royalty reached the rule reached the realm to defeat strike punish the enemy are you getting a clear picture here because we just think oh i've come to the kingdom i just walk into something no, no, it's much deeper than that. It's so much that you have literally arrived. You literally have reached. It's your time right now. For such a time as this, which doesn't mean chronos, man's chronological order. It's like a kairos word. But it literally means when an induced season is from the root of eternity. It means everlasting, old world without end. So what this is saying to you, Esther, is this in other words this is your kairos kairos is a sovereign moment of god where eternity invades the earth that you have been sent from everlasting eternity to lay your hand on and that time has arrived for you to rule and for you to reign and take dominion esther so, so let me rephrase it and frame it for you right again hey esther who knows if you haven't come to the kingdom for such a time as this? So the original etymology in the Hebrew is saying this. It is your kairos that you have been sent from everlasting eternity to lay your hand on what you have now arrived to, to reach in order for you to rule and to reign and to take dominion, Esther. I am in the name of Jesus, shift. Let your mind shift, let your body shift, let your heart shift. Come on, let your relationship shift. I command it by the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus right now, that everything lines up with you ruling, reigning, taking dominion, being the Esther that you've been called to be, shifting right now into position, which means you've gotta be able to discern God's movings and his promptings in order to be in position, come on, so that you don't miss your moment. You will not miss a God moment in the name of Jesus. You will not miss it. Deep is calling deep. God is calling you by a spirit out of depression. Come on, out of lack, out of hurt, out of offense, out of wounding, out of victimization, out of religion, out of bondage, out of strongholds, out of fear, out of doubt, out of it. In the name of Jesus, the Lord is calling you up higher right now. These are transitional days. I talked to you about it yesterday, that we're in constant transition. David Hewell of Futures wrote a book from called The Age, The Shift age from 2017 to 2037 would be the 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 most shift in all of human history of a 50-year period and that things would change like this rapidly continually we know it spiritually we know it through the word we know it naturally transition is where you're leaving one thing and you're going to another now the difficulties of transition is you can miss it in the moments because if you've ever ridden a motorcycle you've ever been on the back of a motorcycle anybody ever been on a motorcycle all right we got some harley riders here dear lord if you've ever been on a motorcycle you understand what happens going straight's pretty easy you lose it in the turns it's when you're turning that you can wipe out it's when you can you can miss it in the moment when things begin to transition that's why Jesus was saying you can't put old wine in new wineskins he said you're gonna lose both you'll lose both the this the system you'll lose the wine and you'll lose the thing that holds it 
He said, so you've got to understand how to do these transitions. It's the hallway between uh, two somewheres. It's the nowhere between two somewheres. You've left where you've been, but you haven't arrived to where you're going. I'm trying to help somebody right now. There's a shut door behind you. There's an open door in front of you, but you're standing in the nowhere between two somewheres. This is where you lose it if you don't know the art of transition, if you don't understand. Listen, everything in the world is changing. Just when you think you've got one thing figured out, it's gonna change on you. Governments are changing, nations are changing, uh, monetary systems are changing, money's changing hands right now. The way we did, who would have thought 15 years ago you'd sit in church and say, uh, if you wanna give by your cryptocurrency, I mean, everything has changed. Church has changed, politics has changed, society has changed, culture has changed. Talk to me. Who would think that, that we would put a Supreme Court justice in place and she could not define what a woman is? The world's changed. Who would think that a man would be able to win a competitive sport in a swimming against Riley Baker? Everything, talk to me, has changed. You're in transition right now. Look at somebody say, you won't lose it. You're not gonna lose it, you're in transition. Some of you, your marriages, they're in transition. Ministries in transition. Come on, your life is in transition. Your physical locations in transition. Your spirits in transition. Your minds in transition. You're struggling not to think like you did 10 years ago, but yet you can't think like God is completely. Well, I want to be that prophecy. You're getting there, baby. Come on, short steps. Come on, short breaths and small. Y'all got it. Come on. You're making progress. Come on. You got it. You're in transition. It's the metathesis. So metathesis we learned is it implies this translating a picking up of one thing that's been laid down and setting it in an altogether different context. That's why it's so, so difficult. So I want you to think of like a road or something being rooted up and being laid down in a completely context, like being laid down as a mountain. So you only know it as a road, but it's being laid down as something completely different. So this is what the Bible refers to as removing those things which can be shaken. So the book of Hebrews, which is really the book of transition, and which is really Joshua taking the people and the tribes entering into the promised land. You following me? You following me? Moses is dead. I mean, he's gone. He's just out. And you've got 30 days to grieve over it is what God says. Now after the death. And he says, come on, you guys go. 30 days? Come on, move forward, move forward, move forward, move forward. I prophesy to you right now. You're not going to get stuck in a place. You're not going to wander in a wilderness. You're not going to be on a, on a 40-year journey that should take you 11 days. No more delay in the name of Jesus. You're not going to have wasted time. You're not going to have wasted days. You're not going to have wasted resource. I prophesy to you right now. So God's saying, I'm doing something, but it's, it's something that's been uprooted and it's set in a completely different context. See, people couldn't understand the context of me in the White House. They couldn't understand that. Only those that had spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. Or they couldn't understand me in the context of whatever God's used me to do. Because if, if you got to know me, Paula today, my little jingle, Paula today, I was going to do it, but I can't even do the jingle. And then all of a sudden, you see me in a different context.
unless you were spiritual, all of a sudden it's like, oh, who's that girl thinks she is? Same girl that was preaching to you for the last 38 years. Because people can't understand when God's shaking things. And it's in a different context. Some of us are holding on to things that God is no longer, that cloud has moved, he's no longer a part of. Come on, it's done with, it's over, it's dying, it's taking its last breath, and we're like, we're still trying to do worship like we did it 20 years ago. Some of y'all got that projector up, you're still putting that little slide on it. And you come here and you see these guys going like this. And you just about had the big one, Fred. And it's any amount of a context. We're still in the, in, in, in the church and you're saying, is it a rave party? It's church, it's God. God's gonna blow your mind. And the reason that you judge it instead of walking it, because your mind is so religious that you can't discern God if he knocks you upside the head. And the problem with religion is it always builds a system and anything that has a system has a monetary attachment to it. And the reality is people don't wanna lose their money so they keep you in bondage to their system which keeps you in a place of religion and a place of bondage because you always need them. So you go back like a heroin addict every week to your same bound church <laughs> saying fix me preacher, fix me. Where when you are free, you don't need to be fixed. You come in and worship. You bring your goods to the altar. You lay down your treasure. You lay down your alabaster box. You say, you go, Pastor Kevin. You go, Pastor Devin. Go for the world. Here's my treasure. Look what God gave me this week. You're not bound by fear or control or man, but you're free by God. So remember, when God starts removing those things that can be shaken, created things by man. Watch when, Je when Jesus, watch what he did right before he left. Let me summarize it in a scripture, what I just told you. Right before there's gonna be a transition where we're gonna go from the temple to the temple. That's a transition. Where does Jesus go? What's his last stop? He goes into the temple. What's he do? He throws over the money changers tables. And every preacher's probably preaching it wrong. Oh, he's so mad about, it's not. He's saying this system's over. This system is over. Y'all ain't gonna be able to hustle the people like this anymore. And the transition looks crazy. Because the transition is a cross. You see, we're 2,000 years later and still trying to comprehend it all. The transition is the most insane thing ever. Because the transition is Persians invented it, Rome's perfected it, and they're gonna take this cross and they're gonna put him on this stipend and they're gonna crucify him and they're gonna beat him with the flagrum. It's absolutely insanity. God, it's transition. 
Now, if he's showing you the picture of transition, how's it feel when I come and prophesy you're in transition? And the reason we miss it, because number one, we're so fleshly, we don't want it. It takes some serious spirit to be able to transition, because I promise you, I promise you when you're transitioning in places, there's a lot of loss that comes with that. But it's not anything that's lost in your life that is part of your destiny, because if it's part of your destiny, it can't leave you. If it's not, it can't stay with you. Anything that is lost in those moments, it either falls to the ground and it dies and it comes forth as a greater harvest, or it was only for a season in the first place. So you become like that rocket booster. You know, when the space shuttle, it goes up into the atmosphere, it's got rocket boosters. We live outside of Orlando and that space shuttle at Kennedy Air Force, Kennedy Space Center there. When it's going up, when you can literally see it from Orlando, Tampa, all over, and you're watching it go up there from Cocoa Beach. And as it goes up, those, those rocket boosters fall off before it goes into the first stratosphere. Because if they don't fall off, it will cause the space shuttle to come crashing back down. And so if it's not programmed for them to fall off, then it will crash back down to the earth and it will never make it into the next atmosphere. The problem is God's taking you into another atmosphere, another stratosphere, but you keep putting the rocket booster back on and you wonder why you're crashing. You wonder, why do I keep going back down? Why do I keep going back to the same struggle? Why do I keep going back to the same bondage? Why do I keep going back in the same fear? Why do I keep going back in the same habits? Be bold enough to say, babe, you gotta go. Boo, you gotta go. You just aren't for this next season. I love you, but you're better off. I'm better off because we made it to this place, but you gotta fall down. Come on, I gotta go on up. It's not ungodly to recognize that God uses certain people, certain things, certain situations for seasons in our life. In fact, it's very discerning. And to be able to accept that and don't think like some of you right now, I don't know why I'm staying on this, but I'm gonna help somebody. Y'all need to go clean your closet. I'm for real. You're like, why? Cause you're in transition, Esther. And you know, you are 52 years old and still have that Tierra prom queen. You got those size four jeans and you're hitting size 14 or 40. And you're like, but I'm gonna get in them, they're vintage. Your big toe can't get in them. You pull your best friend over. You're like, let's, let's see, we're gonna have a little, and you, you get on the bed and you try to put them over your ankle. And it won't even get over your ankle. You're gonna lay down and, and not breathe for two minutes for her to help you zip them up. And they squish your skin. Go, go give them away. Go give them to somebody. It's not your season. Come on, that's over. And you're, you're holding out on something better that God has for you. Sometimes you gotta do physical things to activate spiritual ones. First thing I did when I went back to my house out of the hospital two weeks ago, now I'm, a, I'm a shoe girl. I have a lot of shoes, don't judge. I have a lot of shoes. I like my shoes. 
I gave away 132 pair of shoes. <laughs> what size you wear, Pastor Devin? Oh man, I know. I had a bigger foot. Yeah, why are y'all upset? <laughs> I, I just started shedding everything. Because you, you, you have to recognize, somebody say, Esther, you're, you're moving. Come on, you're moving. And remember, transition for the Son of God was a cross. Transition's not easy. Because God moves out of what? Chaos into cosmos. So the transition period, period is a time that quantum physics calls chaology. It, it's where it looks like chaos on the surface, but there's actually this pattern that's moving towards an intended end. So chaos is very important that you understand because it's turbulence. It means to agitate mentally. To agitate spiritually. To cause inconvenience. In fact, if everything's just, everything's so convenient. You, you, this is just a time when you're in transition. Very little will be convenient for you. Like, the, the, it's just, why don't I have the staff I need? Why aren't the resources here? Why doesn't this happen? That, like, nothing's convenient. Look, COVID changed everything. Why? It's not convenient right now, right? Not, not for those really, come on, I'm not talking about the people that really aren't in the will of God and doing things. For those in the will of God, it's not always convenient to go to church. Go to church. It's not always convenient to give. It's not convenient to go back to your workplace. It's not convenient because you're in time of transition. So you either, you can't live like this. I'm part of culture and I'm part of the kingdom. Let me better phrase it. I'm part of the world and I'm part of the kingdom. You're either on God's, in God's kingdom and operating your life in every aspect according to kingdom or you're operating it according to the world, which is a system of attachment that leads to humanism, leads to materialism, bottom line. So it's, it's wild commotion. This is what chaos is. It's irregular atmospheric motion, especially when characterized by down currents. So remember Genesis 1, that God stepped out on nothing. It says this, in the beginning, the earth was void, it was dark, and the spirit of God moved. And then God spoke. People think it's because God spoke, but it's because the spirit moved. So in that time, there's got to be a move of God's spirit because that moving, that spirit becomes thoughts. Thoughts becomes words. Words come in the atmosphere and begin to bring the order into the action. So we're looking for the, at, you're looking for something on the outside. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many of you have investments. I pray all of you have investments. Markets like this all the time. One day it's up 300 points yesterday. Day before 62 down. Day before about 70. Day before 160 something. It's like this right now. You're like, my gosh, somebody make this thing. And it's going, it's just all over the place. Has been for the last couple years, right? Volatility. There's not an investor in the world that goes, this is exactly how it's going to be. And if they do, they're lying to you. Don't give them their, their money. So, so y'all are looking at me like you don't invest. Lord, bless them so they have investment money in Jesus' name. <laughs> invest wherever you want. Invest in the kingdom. Invest in all of it. There's nothing wrong with making money on your money. If you can. Because the volatility right now. Are y'all with me? Transition. So, so we all want this like system like that we've had for about 20 years. 
Man, they're looking at me funny right now because they want that world system. Investors will say, you aren't going to make that 18 or 20%. Y'all want to hit that light? Is it because there's something that God's bringing into the earth that is different than what the context that we knew about it with. Are you wa watching me? So God brings cosmos out of what? Chaos. He brings an order out of chaos. Everything's being discombobulated. And Esther, you've been chosen for this time. And the importance of this is you've got to understand the knowledge of your identity. Look at somebody say, do you know who you are? Because without that, you can never embrace your destiny. But when you know who you are, talk to me, Esther. There's this intuitive awareness of God's purpose and destiny in my life and the path that has to be taken to get there. So what means is when you know the path that is ahead of you, which means um, you know the ways, the course that is there, you can detach from everything that is not part of your path. I'm trying to help somebody. You'll, you'll go down wrong roads if you don't understand what your course is, what your path is. So this is where, when you're in transition, you've got to embrace this, this radical disorientation for this creative transformation. Look at somebody say, I'm in, a, I'm in a cocoon right now, but I'm coming out looking pretty. Say, I'm coming out looking good. So here's the key. In Esther 5.2, when the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near. Everybody shout, drew, drew, near. drew near. And it says that she not only drew near, but she touched. I'm going to do this in two separate orders. Because she drew near first, but then she touched. The, the Hebrew word for touch there is naga in the Hebrew. It means properly to touch, to lay your hand upon for any purpose. By implication, it means to reach. That is a kairos moment. Does this sound familiar? It means figuratively to arrive, violently to strike, to perish, to defeat, to destroy. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Because I just read it to you in Esther chapter, the beginning. What was that? Esther chapter four. Who knows if you have come? It's basically the same word. If you have arrived, if you have reached, if you've been, if you've come to this place to strike, to punish, destroy, watch what I'm telling you right now. She drew near and she touched, she arrived, which means she was now in a spirit moment. She was in a sovereign Kairos moment to strike, destroy, punish. Do you see, in other words, it's complete divine alignment. She didn't have to think it. She didn't have to will it. She moved in it because she was in position. I prophesy you into your position. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the draw because I want you to understand this. Let's talk about this concept of drawing near. I'm giving you just a few concepts today. Because now Esther's in the, she's in, she's married. She's going through all the preparation, get there. And it says she draws near. Say, draw near. Come on, draw near. Put your hand on your spirit. Say, draw near. Because there are two kinds of people I touched on yesterday briefly. And God reveals it's very relevant in times of transition. The, the, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews means abar. That's the word. And it means to cross over. The, the literal book of Hebrews is a book of transition. But, but it means to transition. It means to cross over. How many of you are leaving crossed over? Come on. You're crossing over. And if you really...
really believe that prophetically, that God is who he says and it's a finished work, I promise you, you walk out of here and the anxiety's gone. Don't pick it back up. You walk out of here, the torment's gone. Don't pick it back up. You walk out of here, the confusion's gone. The guilt's gone. The shame's gone. The depression's gone. That's the God work of what he's doing right now. So the Hebrews means crossover. It, it literally is transition. It means to pass over, to overcome to the other side. So it carries the main idea of movement of one thing in relationship to another. It means to go beyond and to go farther. So there's four things that it carries. It means to move beyond and to go further. So you're transitioning right now. Here's the good news. You're moving and going further. You're moving beyond and going further than you've ever been. When God transitions you, you're not going backwards, you're going further. When you came, you're leaving here. How many of you know you've been in transition these last couple of days? Come on. You're transitioning. So what I'm saying to you is you're going further. Start talking like it. Start thinking like it. Start walking like it. It, it, it spoke of a movement between two places. You, you're transitioning. It's a metaphor which means to exceed. It carries a moral or spiritual meaning of, of transgress. So you're moving. You, everything is moving in divine alignment right now. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 39 describes two types of people, and you're either one or the other. I'm just going to work this for a minute today so you get it. Because those who drew near did so with a heart full of assurance of faith. That, that's the bottom line. It, it's, you, you can have a zit on your head right now and move forward with a heart full of faith and assurance, and you're still going to have a zit on your head when you get there. In other words, people think like some weird, spooky thing's going to happen to you, and then you move forward. If you know how to roll a joint right now, but you have a heart full of faith, you know, you're gonna know how to roll a joint when you get there. You're not gonna lose it. I don't know how to roll a joint now. You're not gonna roll a joint. You're not going to roll a joint. But people have this spookiness about God, like, like he just takes away from my, me my ability to know how to pour a drink, to know how to lust after a man. I don't lust after women. I lust after one man, Jonathan Cain. Why are y'all looking at me funny? Like they are angels here. You have the ability, you have the capacity to be completely spiritual, completely carnal, and completely natural. And most people live in a duality of both at the same time. Because you're in transition, hear me, what you do here doesn't mean you don't have knowledge how to do there. The only thing that gets you from point A to point Z is a heart full of faith. The only way you're saved is not by your works is not because of anything you did. It's not, man, I'm making people mad. I'm gonna keep preaching. I'll miss my plane and keep preaching. You are saved by one thing. You are saved by, help me. Grace. Through. Grace. You are saved by. Grace. Undeserved favor. Unmerited, not earned. 
Look at somebody say, you all that. I don't care what you did. If you were Charles Manson's wife or if you were Mary Poppins, say you were saved by grace through And now all of a sudden you saved and you start getting full of works. Thinking your way you're gonna transition is who you are and what you do and how you do this. There's one thing that draws you forward, a heart full of assurance through faith, period. Period. And the reason that Esther can get there is because she stays pure because the only reason Proverbs chapter four says, guard your heart. The enemy didn't come after you so much when you were out dancing with the devil with the blue dress on, two-stepping and doing your thing in the saloon. He already had you. So now you can better believe the moment you find your church or to be planted in, someone is gonna tick you off. They're gonna hurt you, they're gonna offend you, they're gonna say things to you. You better believe now, all of a sudden, you've had a honeymoon for three years in your marriage. Y'all can't even look at each other without going, uh. (laughs) Because the enemy wants to come the hardest to unravel you in any which way he can. And, and, And are you hearing what I'm saying? And so now you all of a sudden get real religious and you think, well, if I just do step one, step two, give me that five-step formula. There is no formula. There isn't a formula. There's no one formula that works for everyone. There is a heart of assurance that by faith says, yes, God. Pastor Kevin said it. It says, yes, God. Yes, when my husband's acting like a jerk. Yes, when he's acting like an angel. Yes, when my kids are saved. Yes, when they're atheists. Yes, when this one's on crack. Yes, when this one's making straight A's. Yes, God. Yes, if cancer's in my body. Yes, if I'm in total health. Yes, 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 yes. There's no in-between here. There's only two types of people here. The Bible would have given us a third or a fourth. So there's a person that draws near because Esther did one thing to get her to strive. She had the prophetic promise. You came in here with the prophetic promise. So I read you chapter four. Who knows if you have not come? Who knows if it's not your time? The question is proposed to her. Who knows if it's at your time, your arrival, your late hand to strike and punish. But she doesn't strike and punish till chapter five. You're sitting here with a prophetic promise, but I am giving you the middle of the meat that is the difference between the, the cans and the canes, the boys and the men, the girls and the women. The difference is some of you are gonna leave here and you're gonna draw nigh. And if you don't know what draw nigh is and how you do this with a heart full of faith, which means the biggest thing you've got to get right and keep right is your heart. Because the enemy wants to bombard. As soon as you walk out, you're like, I got a heart full of faith. You won't get a phone call going, oh, well, praise the Lord. Like, uh, guess what? This time, I, I know you want me to tell you you're going to get 10 testimonies in 10 minutes when you leave. But chances are you're going to have 10 things that went crazy out of your control. And and the reaction is gonna be, do you immediately move back into the way you thought before you did two hours ago? 
or you, do you draw nigh? Because this is what's going to separate. This is the bridge between chapter four and chapter five with a heart full of faith. And if not, if we don't do it, then we just need you to keep putting on conferences, which I pray you always do, because they're, they're useful for many ways, but telling us the same thing and trying to get us to cross that bridge. Now you're gonna be an old lady on a cane and die in the wilderness. I break that in Jesus' name. You're not gonna wander in the wilderness. You're not gonna die in the wilderness. You're not gonna lose a generation in the wilderness. Come on. You're not gonna be delayed anymore. You're gonna move into your place and you're gonna strike and you're gonna punish. Come on. You're gonna touch. But she's gotta get this draw nigh down. She doesn't touch. She doesn't lay hold until she draws nigh. I'm trying, I'm trying, Bishop. She draws nigh. So when you draw nigh, you ready? It's those who drew near with a heart full of assurance of faith. And then there was a second group, those who draw back into perdition. It says, you've provoked me into perdition like the children of Israel. And it's one of the few places God said he regrets. God regretted because we call it the day of provocation because they provoked God in the day of perdition. And God's a man, you made me regret. Anymore, like what was I doing? What was I thinking? <laughs> they shrink back and look at the result of them shrinking back. Are they bad people? Nah. What happens? They shrink back and they're destroyed. What happens guys? You've got a Caleb and a Joshua spirit and you've got 10 other of the chief leaders, not losers. Best of the best of the cream of the crop of leaders. Two of them take their clothes off and say, we're more than able. Ten of them look out at those giants and said, we're like grasshoppers. He said, we're just grasshoppers. And so we were in our own sight as we were in their sight. You become what you think you are. The other two said, we are more than able. And what happens? An entire generation dies off and every one of those leaders die off except for Joshua and Caleb because they had a different spirit. They kept drawing nigh. They had that same Esther quality. They kept drawing nigh. Now, why did they move back? Why did they shrink back in the book of Hebrews? Why did they move back when, when they were going into the promised land? Because of persecution, because of the chaos. And all transition carries chaos with it. So because of that, they couldn't handle the pressure. Now, let me help you for about five more minutes and we're going to wrap this up and I'm going to pray over you. Because you don't really know what's in you till you get under pressure. I'll never forget, we were just starting to build out what was South Tampa Christian Center. It was Without Walls Church. And we'd have work day. And we always said, know those that labor among you and get to know them. And, and so there was this guy, Billy, who wanted to be on staff really bad. And he did electric. I said, Billy, why don't you come out and do some electric and do some stuff? And there's a roof about like the height of this is a two, two story. And so he's up working on something and Billy was like walking around with his tool stuff and he's looking at us and he wanted to be on staff. And uh, all of a sudden he touches a hot wire. And when he touched it, it shocked him and he fell off that two roof story. And he started cussing like a sailor. And all of a sudden, I start running over to him, and he sees me, and he starts going, 
Now what happened? What was in Billy came out of him when he got under pressure. You see, that pressure has to be put on us so that we can be developed. Because if, if you realize it or not, remember that those that draw nigh, it's because they draw nigh by faith, right? With a heart full of assurance. That's what, uh, that, that's what uh, Zanakrab, when he came against Hezekiah, he goes, he goes, I'm gonna destroy you. He goes, you're like a sparrow in a cage. I'm gonna absolutely annihilate all Jerusalem. And Hezekiah goes and prays to God and does this. And, and Zanakarab says, where does this confidence come from? Where, where, how are you getting this kind of confidence? You see, that's a heart that is full of assurance that when everything else looks like it's going under, going down, it's not that you aren't looking at it. It's not that you aren't human. It's that you just have this heart. There's something deep within you that you have an ability to draw nigh. Now, if you think that just pops up in you, nothing just happens. Because it's not the time that you draw back. It's not the time that you walk away. We always say that, we talked about yesterday, it's prophecy weighed against the problem. You've got the prophetic word. So you've got to walk in prophecy. Spirit to head, that's what I call prophetic living, to atmosphere, not atmosphere to head, to spirit. But, but what happens here is Esther, in a nutshell, was prepared. She was prepared to draw nigh. When Vashti has moved out of that, the whole first five chapters are all about the providence of God, of this Jewish orphan. And the king says now, uh, he desires one who will show forth the virtues. And so Esther is purified with things that are bitter and things that are sweet. For one year, she does exactly what she is told to do. Y'all aren't hearing me. You see, a purification process has to take place in our life. And what I mean by that is that's a stripping away of things that don't belong and a putting in of what does belong. And she was prepared. What does prepared mean? To be cut in advance. If you think I told about going to etiquette school and going to grammar school when I first went to Jean George with Mr. Trump 24 years ago, if you think I walked in the White House and just was, oh, let me walk in. God been preparing me every single situation. We ended up buying Carpenter's Home. We ended up buying Carpenter's Home in Lakeland, Florida, back in the day at Without Walls. I used to go to Carpenter's Home. They had real steep stairs. That sanctuary was built in the 80s. Now, these are low heels for me. I usually wear like six-inch heels. I wear some heels, girls. You know what I do? I was going to be first, I, I would prophesy this in the 90s. Early in the 90s, we'd own it later in the 2000s. I said, one day we're going to own this building. I did. I knew this. And, and I would sit there and I'd carry my Bible. And I'd sit there and I'd walk up and down the stairs. Y'all looking at me funny. I do this. I do it even better with six inch. Straight. Why are you looking at me funny? I practiced. <laughs> I'd walk up and down those stairs all day long till I could run those stairs. And one day I owned that building. I, said, I owned that. Y'all are looking at me crazy. You're like, well, I'm just going to sit here and it's going to drop out. Y'all better go home and practice cooking a meal because you ain't getting no husband.
He don't want that rigatoni microwave. Put on your perfume before he comes. She put on all this perfume, this spot. They're looking at me funny. I'm going to be married to the best man in the world. I pray you are. But I can tell you something about life. Likeness attracts likeness. That means you better be the best woman in the world. You be your best version of your highest, best self that you can be. I'm trying to help Esther, and she's just going like this right now. I'm trying. I'm trying, Bishop. Because we want the, we want the magic wand. Just make it happen. There is no magic wand. There's principles in God's Word that we apply to our life that every single day you got to practice, which means you're being cut in advance. Talk to me, David. If you think David just shows up and, and has an ability just to get lucky with a Goliath, he was a professional slinger. He knew how to work that thing. He said, if I'm going to be trusted back here on the backside of a desert when none of you jokers believe in me and God's calling me a king when I'm just a kid, he said, I'm going to perfect my skill. He said, I'm going to work this thing. I know how to use it on a bear. I know how to use it on a lion. It's only a matter of time because I'm prepared. I've been cut in advance for this. That God puts me, oh, go, go take your brothers a lunch. And then they start making fun of him. What are you doing down here? I know the naughtiness of your heart. They'd watch Samuel anoint him. They'd watch the oil flow and they call him a naughty heart. His own brothers do. And he says, he doesn't even, he doesn't even pay attention to it. He goes, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? Who, who, whoa, 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 Ah, it's on game day, game day. I've been waiting for game day. I've been waiting for game day. It's game day. I've been practicing this game. I know the play. I know the skill. I've been practicing. He doesn't care about who's watching. He's like, there it is. That's my target. And then he's so good at this. He's so apostolic at this. He's so good that he doesn't just knock Goliath out. He takes his own sword. He takes the sword of the enemy. Y'all aren't hearing me, come on. He doesn't just say, I know I've got the skill. But he, he's been studying. Come on. He's been praying. He's been worshiping. God's obviously been downloading some wisdom to it because he takes the very sword of Goliath and he cuts his head off. The head is the government. He cuts off the government. He cuts off the head. And he goes and he puts it up and says, I dare you. Come on, Esther, draw near. Stand up on your feet right now. Come on, draw near, draw near. You've got to be prepared. Come on, you've got you've to fight like it's the battle today. You've got to throw the ball like you're the quarterback today. Come on, you've got to learn how to sling it like you're David the king, not the kid. You've got to walk in who you are, Esther. Go practice putting on royal apparel. Go put your dress on. Come on, go put your perfume on. Get your heart right. Learn language. Get outside of just knowing Christianese. Understand markets. Understand
understand governments, understand arts, understand culture, understand people, understand psychology, understand whatever it is that you need to be equipped with. Get it in your slingshot. Come on, get it in your portfolio. It's not your primary thing. Your primary thing is your walk with God. But God uses prepared people. God uses people who are ready. God uses people who show up, that they know how to use battle gear. He doesn't put a two-year-old to operate a machinery that's only equipped for a 20-year-old. Come on. He says, you've got to be of a certain age, a certain stature, a certain maturity to be able to operate on this level. You, you, you want a 50-year-old grand prize, but you've prepared for five days. That's not preparation. Honey, that ain't preparation. Even in our natural military, you got to go to boot camp. you got to run. Come on. You, your diet gets changed. Your diet hasn't even changed yet. You're still reading the same amount of chapters, praying the same amount of time. Your appetite's got to change. Your diet's got to change. You're still hanging around with the same people. Your diet's got to change. Your appetite's got to change. Come on, you're going to leave here changed. I call you into position right now, Esther. I call you out of mediocrity. I call you out of anything that's holding you back. I call you out of complacency. I call you out of false humility. I call you out of shame right now. I call you out of everything that is holding you back. Draw nigh, Esther. I prophesy right now. You can do this, girl. I came to encourage you. I believe in you. And truth always speaks truth. Come on, it's okay. No shame in this game. Just reality. Just authenticity. Make your mind up. Draw nigh with a heart full of assurance and faith through faith. Come on. You will not draw back because of pressure. You're built for more. You're bigger than that storm. You're bigger than that storm. You're bigger. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells on the inside of you. You're bigger than that giant. You're bigger than that giant. Don't just knock him down. Take his head off. Take his head off. Esther, you touched the top. You came to strike. You came to punish. You came to defeat an enemy that is hitting against this generation. Our kids can't fight the way they're supposed to yet. They will, will develop them, but you better stand up in the gap and fight for them right now. You better fight for this nation. You better fight, come on, for your family. You better fight for God's church. It means she touched the top. She touched the top, the chief place, the chief place. Come on, if I really get in it, that word right there, Hebrew, is she touched the rosh. Today starts the beginning of Rosh Hashanah. She touched the rosh. She touched the chief place. She touched the place in time, order. She touched the place. Come on, you're in a divine moment at a set up time. Tonight at 7 p.m. or sundown, we start Rosh Hashanah. You move on God's calendar into a new year. You move into a new season. You go into 10 days of all. You go into God's most holy day, the day of atonement. Then you go into tabernacles. By the end of tabernacles, you're coming out fully positioned, fully equipped. Everything that doesn't belong in your life is falling off. It's a new year. It's a new season. It's a new day. I came to prophesy you in position. You will align with God's timing. You will align with God's purpose. You'll move in it in the name of Jesus. She touched the rush. She touched the rush. It speaks of the head of the church. It speaks of the high calling in Christ Jesus. She touched Christ. 
She touched the high place. She wasn't just touching a rod. She wasn't just touching a stick. She touched the chief place. The chief place is Jesus. Y'all aren't hearing me. Y'all aren't hearing me. Y'all aren't hearing me. Y'all aren't hearing me. In the name of Jesus. Come on. In the name of Jesus. The word top means rosh, as in Rosh Hashanah. It means this, from an unused root, apparently meaning to shake the head, whether literal or figural. In many applications, a place, time, and order. It speaks of the authority of the head of the church. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 18 through 23, lift up your hands and this is the end. It says, it, it says this in, in, in scepter is sharpbeat. It's a rod of an empire from the word of Shabbat. She touched the head, the chief place. It's from, it's the same, it's the root of where we get Rosh Hashanah, a beginning, a place of time and order. You're in God's divine order. She touched the rod of an empire. It's an unused root, probably meaning to branch off a sky on. It's a stick. Guess what that stick is for? Punishing, <laughs> defeating, destroying, for riding, for fighting, for walking. She touched it. Listen to it. I'm going to read it to you, Ephesians 1, 20 through 23, and then I'm going to read it to you in the message. Keep your hands up because I'm prophesying. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order, that you may know the hope of which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the same, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now I came prophetically and I want you to get this. I'm gonna read it to you in the message so you'll really understand it. But keep your hands up because I'm prophetically proclaiming over you right now and shifting you into position. Lift your hands. Lift them. Don't let those hands grow weary. Don't let them grow weary. Lift those hands. She touched the top. It speaks of the head of the church. She touched Jesus. Hear this. The message version says, verse 17, but I do more than thank. I ask, I ask God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent. I'm speaking it over you right now. And discerning and knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for Christians. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him, endless energy, energia, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ, hear me carefully. God raised him from death and set him on a throne deep in heaven. Listen carefully in charge of running the universe. Don't get this mixed up. Satan's just an agent. He probably gets more done from God for God than most Christians do. He does. Because he pushes you into a place. In charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. Keep your hands lifted up because it says who's in charge? 
Jesus, stay with me, is in charge of everything in the universe from running governments to galaxies. So your question is going to be, well, why is it so jacked up? Why is it so messed up? You got to keep reading. And not just for the time being, but forever. It means that Jesus forever and ever and ever is in charge from running galaxies to governments. He's in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. Here it is. Here's your part. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Stop. Keep your hands lifted up. Keep it lifted up because Jesus is in charge of running everything in the universe from galaxies to governments. But at the center of this, he's in charge of the church, which is his body, that he fills his body to speak and to act. Because the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral or subject to the church. We've had this messed up. Stop being intimidated. You're Esther. Stop being intimidated. The whole world is resting on your yes to God. And God cannot move unless he moves with the church because that's how he legally authorized it. That's how he legally ordained it. And the problem is not the government. The problem is not the world. The problem's not the laws or the systems or the policy. The problem is the church. And if the church doesn't get right, if the church doesn't understand who they are and positionally begin to move in it, then we continue to see decay and destruction but I am with a blood-bought full heart assurance people that are drawing nigh as an Esther people that have been raised up for such a time to strike down every enemy, to punish every devil that ever had any kind of thought to mess with our generation, to mess with our daughters, to mess with our sons, to mess with our nation, to mess with our integrity, to mess with our religious liberties, to mess with our minds, come on, to mess with our word, to mess with our freedom, to mess with our our God the devil is a liar and you will be punished you will be struck down you will be defeated not on our watch in the name of Jesus I didn't come just to get a little bit over a cold or a headache or a migraine I came to strike down every demonic force in the name of Jesus and punish every spirit that is trying to put my son and daughter in bondage that is trying to bring this nation in captivity the devil's a liar you're coming down every false God every eye all idolatry come on every spirit of Jezebel behaveth behave them every spirit of Python every marine spirit every water spirit every animal spirit every spirit that is of a false kingdom you're being torn down right now in the name of Jesus the Lord rebuke you every Abaddon spirit in the name of Jesus you come down in the name of Jesus by the blood of Jesus every behemoth spirit you're being broken right now you have no stronghold every Ahab that is in a church house. Let it, let their folly, let their folly eat them up right now. Remove them, God. Remove them that don't have shepherd's hearts. Remove them that are not called by you. Raise up a godly man. Raise up a godly woman. Raise up the shepherds. Put the Josephs in place. Put the Daniels in place. Put the Esther in place. I call you queen. I call you into your place. In Christ Jesus, in this earth, in your purpose, you are his church. He speaks through you. He acts through you. He is muted unless you open your mouth. He is limited unless 
you move in it. Move, daughter of destiny. Move, daughter of destiny. Move, daughter of destiny. Move in the fullness of God's power. Move in it right now. Strike, 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 strike. If you're going to strike, get down here and strike. Strike, strike, strike. Move it. Come on, get down to this altar. Strike, strike, strike. Do a physical movement to show a spiritual sign. Move, move, move out of complacency. Move out of, move out of mediocrity. Move, stop playing little. Strike, 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 show you what happens when you have a prophetic moment and you move in it you literally have to do something physically it's a it's a physical it's a faith thing like walk around the wall seven times six times shout on the seven you you literally move in it when I said come strike remember when the prophet said strike the arrows and how ticked he got because they only did it five times he said you would have defeated every one of enemies but you stopped when you have a prophetic moment in the realm of the spirit, you move in it. And what that does, it's like you're, you, the, the earthly realm's back here. The prophetic's here. Spirit's almost always much stronger. So it forces this to come up to this. See, we're always trying to spiritually fit in this. 
but it's forcing this. Basically, all heaven has to back you now because you're moving in it. And all of a sudden, the angels come and things go, whoa, 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 and it aligns it. Those of you that moved out, let me tell you what just happened. Your body got an alignment. Your mind got an alignment. Your situation got an alignment. I want you to do something in the name of Jesus. Move, move, okay? Move in this moment. Move in this moment, move. You've come to the kingdom, Esther. You've come to the kingdom. Strike, 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 strike. got a mighty army you're leading a movement come on put your hands together for your general and welcome her up 
just raise your hands and give him praise for this word, this prophetic decree that has the power within it to perform everything that was said. Let's just honor him. Father, we seal the work that has been done this day. And I thank you for alignment that has fallen upon this house and everyone in it. Lord, we receive it in our lives, in our homes, in our ministries, our callings, our assignment. We receive alignment in Jesus' name. I made him go get all of our scepters. She said a word. I hope you heard it and I hope you caught it because tonight we do begin Rosh Hashanah at sunset and talking to Rabbi Landry, who's such a friend of our family, he said, Pastor Devin, this is quite possibly the most significant Rosh Hashanah that Israel and the United States will face. So much we've been discussing, but she said something I didn't even get till you said it. And I've got to repeat that word because I want you to know the tipping of the scepter is beginning today. It's beginning for this nation. There's going to be an opportunity. I'll preach on it later, but it's over your life. God will do things corporately that will come to your personal life if you attach to it. God will have a corporate word for his body that will manifest in your personal life if you attach to it. But she said, Esther touched the head of the scepter, the tip of the scepter, which was the rosh of the scepter, the head of the scepter. And I just want to release this as we, God is aligning you. He's getting in you position for what's about to shift beginning this night. And I just decree over every Esther in this room that you're going to grab hold of the head of the scepter. Lord, we decree on this Rosh Hashanah, it will be a tipping of the scepter to your remnant bride. I decree, Father, even this day we will draw near, we will not draw back. And Lord, with the authority of our hands, we will reach out and touch the head of the authority of the kingdom. tips in your favor. Some of you need to process, who am I? Why am I here? And what am I asking from Yahweh? That's your assignment today. 